Good morning and welcome to our broadcast here at Victory Church. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and logging in to our church Facebook page. As you are well aware, we are in the process of reopening businesses and churches and our whole economy. Our prayer certainly is for the leaders to make decisions that are based upon the wisdom of God. We are strategizing and planning. We're excited about a couple of things that are coming up for us. The evening of Sunday, June the 14th at 6 p.m., we'll be hosting a, a live in-person prayer and praise service here at Victory. We're going to pray our way back into the building. So we're excited about the future that we have. Um, we know that it's one that's measured, and so we are going to be taking very careful um, steps in order to be able to keep you safe. Uh, we ask that you, we prefer that you wear masks and wear them until you get into your place here in the, in the sanctuary. The CDC has actually relaxed the restrictions a little bit so that once you're in place, then you can remove it. Uh, but we will be observing social distancing. Uh, it's a Sunday night. Uh, it's a prayer and praise service, not any preaching. Uh, but we're going to be focusing on praying for our nation, praying for our leadership, praying for our area, praying for the Delta, for our local church, and just the blessing of God as we take steps to reopen. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to see your faces. Um, it's not about, you know, preaching for me, although I will say it is just different even right now. I'm grateful for the seven or eight people that we have here in our media team. Uh, but it's so different when the room is full and we've just had a, a wonderful time of worship and great music and lifting our hearts to the Lord in praise and worship. And so I, I miss that. I miss the fellowship of the saints and I'm looking forward to that very much. We'll do that on the 14th. We'll do it again two weeks later on the 28th of June. And then from that point, we will be making our decision and making announcement about an opening. And so we ask you to pray with us. We're excited about that. Um, just think the Lord has some great things for us in store as we take steps to come back to some degree of normalcy. We just finished a series that I, I have gotten rave reviews from various people uh, regarding a lot of the things that you are facing and feeling in the middle of this pandemic and the quarantine the crisis that we're dealing with. We talked about frontline motherhood. Uh, we, we, we spoke to navigating change and the uncertainty that that gives us and the feelings we deal with. Uh, out of that, the next week, we talked about um, managing mental health and emotional health in the middle of a crisis. And then last week, got great comments from folk. Uh, financial stability in the middle of a crisis. And so we're grateful for all of our guests who did an excellent job in helping us speak to some things um, that are outside, the, sometimes outside of the purview of the church. Um, we've not done a great job speaking to mental illness. A lot of times we don't talk about money. Uh, it's just, um, except you see it on TV where, where TV preachers are pulling for it too much. But this was really about um, helping you begin to manage and get into a place of stability on the other side of this crisis. I've been praying about this series, and I wish you were here. I just want to say that. Um, but we're beginning. I, I really feel a go-ahead in the spirit to do what we had on our calendar to do for the summer, and that is that we're going to do a series out of the book of Acts called Sent. The church is a 
specially called group of people all over the world um, out of every heritage, every culture, every skin color, every language. The book of Revelation says out of every tribe, nation, and kindred that God has chosen a people that would be his representatives, that we would be uh, literally ambassadors for reconciliation, for the kingdom of God in the world. And there is no greater need than today, certainly to be an ambassador of reconciliation, ambassador of hope. Um, I personally have been outrageously impacted by the latest um, demonstration of police brutality with the death of George Floyd. It uh, just wrecked me emotionally. I cried, I, I wept, I prayed, and just have been asking God to send revival. And I just want to say to my African-American brothers and sisters that my heart is broken with you. I, I don't know what it means to experience life through the lens of of the skin color of a black person, but I just want you to know that I love you and that we love you, that we love you at Victory Church and that we're hurting. When you hurt, we hurt. And I believe that God is after a people that will be representatives of his justice. Justice and righteousness are the exact same Greek word in the New Testament. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it would be correct to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice. That's right standard of living. That's the right kind of living. It, it's right treatment of our fellow human beings, regardless of race, creed, or color. And this morning, as I begin this new message in this new series, it is directly linked to the birth of the church, which was on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. The title of the message this morning is called The Test of Waiting, The Test of of waiting. The series is called Sent. We as the church are sent to the world. Most of the time churches are involved in marketing strategies to get the people to come to us, but actually the biblical view is the other way around. We are sent to them. Victory is sent to the delta. We are here as the people of God sent to our community. We are to be ministers and we are to be ambassadors. We are to be those who demonstrate what the love walk of the kingdom of God is about. When we talk about the day of Pentecost, it's critical that we back up just a little bit. And I'm going to begin this morning in Luke chapter 24. My text is Luke 24 verse 49. These were some of Jesus' last words to his disciples and he says, now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. King James says it this way, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It uses the phrase until the promise of the father comes. The promise of the father is that other comforter. Jesus talked about another comforter, particularly in the book of John. Before I get too deep into it, let's just get this one more time and then I want to pray. Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let's bow our hearts this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the gift of Jesus Christ, the unspeakable gift blameless, spotless, 
son of God, lamb of God. Thank you that he took away the sins of the world. Thank you for his immaculate life. Thank you, Lord, for his death, burial, and his resurrection, that he overcame sin, that every accusation against us was nailed to the cross, and he took it to the grave and buried it and got up three days later conquering sin, sickness, death, and everything under the curse. Thank you that he promised us another comforter, the one who would come and abide with us, that Holy Spirit. Thank you today as believers, we're on the other side of that, the recipients of that promise. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us and guarding us and leading us into truth and teaching us the wisdom of God. We ask you today, as we present our hearts to you, to challenge us and change us. Help us, Lord. Help these words today to be comfort and strength and encouragement and adjustment where it's needed, Father, in the hearts of your people. We'll be careful to give you the praise. Lord, we know that we desperately need you. Just move by your spirit today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The one thing that I want to bring to you through this message, just for the next few moments, is this concept. There is a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. Think about that. There is a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. The title of the message is called The Test of Waiting. I have three brief points this morning. The first one is just that, waiting. Think about this. Think about the roller coaster that the disciples must have felt, being witnesses of miracles for over three and a half years, the hopes that they had gathered and began to put together in their thinking were dashed one Passover. When the one that they thought that was surely the Mashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Messiah, all of a sudden is taken into captivity, is, endures mock trials, accused as a criminal, dies a cruel death on a cross, buried in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. But thank God they didn't quit because three days later the story doesn't end but a whole new beginning starts. And that is they begin to celebrate the resurrection And it was at that moment that I think some of the disciples probably said, oh, that's what he meant when he said, I will destroy the temple and in three days raise it up again. He wasn't talking about Herod's temple, that natural structure of bricks and stone, but he was talking about his physical body, which is the true temple of God now. And so they begin to understand things that all of a sudden start to make sense once Jesus is raised and he is resurrected. Luke 24 isn't the end of this story, even though you read to the end of the chapter and about verse 50 it says he ascended before them. They witnessed that. He was taken up into heaven. Luke, the physician, wrote the gospel of Luke and he also is the writer of the book of Acts. And so Acts, Luke 24 and Acts 1 are connected If you read the last few verses of Luke 24 and the first opening verses of Acts chapter 1, then you see a continuation of the same story. They had just witnessed his ascension, and Jesus had just said, stay in the city until. You know, until doesn't really give you a a, a number that you can count down on. A friend of mine always used to tell his family when the kids were little and they would go on a road trip and the kids would say, how much farther? And the dad would say, oh, about an hour. 
15 minutes later, the kids, you know how they constantly ask you that, how much farther I'm tired of riding in this car? And he would say, oh, about an hour. Three hours later, they would say, how much farther? And he'd say, about an hour. And he, they would say, well, you just said that an hour ago. He said, I know. Just, just ride and enjoy the trip. And it's kind of the same sort of thing here where Jesus doesn't tell them exactly how long they're going to have to wait. He just says, stay in the city until... You put on power. You get equipped with a uniform for your destiny. The King James says, tarry in the city until you be endued with power from on high. And the Greek word enduo literally means to put on garments. And he was saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come on you like a uniform that that authorizes you and validates you and demonstrates to the world who you are as my chosen sent people. Now, the time ended up being 10 days. The scripture tells us between Luke 24 and Acts 1 that after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to them proving his resurrection and conquering death by many infallible proofs is what the scripture says. And he taught them about the things concerning the kingdom of God. He was there for 40 days. Now, 10 more days is the day of Pentecost. Passover and Pentecost are separated, literally, after the resurrection, count 50 days, and then you have Pentecost Sunday. On our calendar right now today, that was last Sunday. That was May 31st. And so today, we're a little bit late in beginning this, but actually what happened on Pentecost Sunday 2,000 years ago was the birth of a nation, a holy nation. It was what the Bible refers to in the book of Isaiah as a nation shall be born in one day. I personally don't think that's the nation of natural Israel because that took years of, uh, of, of laboring and deals and, and pulling things together. And finally, in May of 1948, it, it happened. It didn't happen in a day. It happened over years to bring that to pass. The only nation that was born in a day was the holy nation, the church, which was born on the day of Pentecost. 120 are in an upper room praying and seeking God. And all of a sudden, a sound of a rushing mighty wind comes in and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are empowered to be witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. They're filled with a love that gives them the ability to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. They had 10 days to wait, but think about it. It was an until that was not specified. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Remember our one thing is there's a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. Many times God will tell us what's coming, but then he will say, wait, because there's a season of preparation to get us ready. It's, none of us likes to wait. I don't like to wait. I don't like to stand in line. I, I, I was coming down 55 to connect to 40 out of Marion the other day, and I saw that the interstate was locked up, and I didn't try to go to because I was wanting to go to Memphis, and I immediately got off and took the, the, the ramp to Little Rock and got off at the ne next exit and came down on the service road and went around because it was locked up all the way across the new bridge. And I, I went another way because I don't like to wait. You don't like to wait. I'm, I'm just saying that's human nature. We, we stand in front of our microwaves, and we go, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up for a 60-second warm-up and a meal. You know, it's, it was that 80s rock song that says, I want it all, and I want it now. And that's, that is so typical of our generation. 
we, we can have all of the elements mixed together for a cake, but we have to wait for it to bake. There's a process. We can plant seeds in a garden, but we have to wait for the fruit of the growth. You don't rush that. Some of you want a mate right now, and let me just say to you, you need to wait for Mr. Right and don't settle for Mr. Right now. You need to wait for the timing of the Lord. You need to wait on God. Some of you are expecting a child, but no matter how, 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 how much you can just, just sense putting your arms around that baby boy or that baby girl, you're going to wait about nine months. There's a process of development that must take place. Some of you have a dream for a child to grow up and take over the family business, but you better wait until that son or that daughter matures so that they can be able to handle what you've spent your life building. Maturity takes time. There's a waiting process. Abraham waited 25 years before the promised son Isaac showed up. Joseph had a dream of being a leader of ruling, and it was 13 years from the pit through the prison to the, the, the throne that Pharaoh provided for him. Moses, called of God to be a deliverer, waited 40 years on the backside of the desert. He was 80 years old when he heard the voice out of the burning bush. The children of Israel waited 400 years before deliverance from Egypt, and then they waited 40 more before the next generation came along and entered the promised land. David was anointed king of Israel when Saul was still living. 13 years later, David ascended the throne. There is a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. Verse 44 says this, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45 says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So all of a sudden, everything that he's been talking about for three and a half years that they understood with a natural perception all of a sudden comes to the eyes of their understanding were enlightened, as Ephesians 1 says. He says, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. He says, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of the name, of his name, to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. He says, verse 48, you are witnesses of all these things. He says, the message is going to go to all the nations. God never was an exclusivist. He was always, always inclusive. God's vision was never just about one people group or one nation. His vision in his heart was always the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his uniquely begotten son. Now, folks, when they were waiting, they weren't inactive. The, the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for waiting, it doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't just mean sitting lazily, idly by. It literally means to look for, to anticipate, to long for, to hope. Isaiah 40, 31, one of my favorite verses of Scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we wait on God, there is a renewal and there is a strengthening. There's a preparation that comes. So when they were waiting, they were doing something. The Scripture says they were praying, seeking God for these 10 days. Now, I'm going to tell you, I would love to see a full house on Sunday, June the 14th, but I know that it's not going to happen. Sadly enough, the least attended service in any local church is the prayer service. 
And I think that's probably a testament to why the church is in the state that it's in in the nation of America. We need to return to prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. If we ever needed healing in the United States of America, we need it right now. And this is laid at the feet of the church. It doesn't say if the world will pray. It says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. It is our responsibility. It is the church, those that are called out and sent to influence as ambassadors of reconciliation. God has called us to rise up and take that responsibility. Listen to Acts 1 verses 13 and 14. It says, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. It's giving the roll call of the disciples, okay? It says in verse 14, these all continued, say that word with me where you're sitting in your living room, continued, say continued. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, So they weren't just being lazy or being idle. While they were waiting, they were praying. They were seeking God. Remember, Jesus said, if if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It shall be given unto you, another translation says. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, it's another important word. The one I just had you say was, continued. We're going to make it continually. So they were continually in prayer and supplication. But then on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was the sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Get this. Do not miss this point. Our continuallys and our time of waiting lead to God's suddenlies. When I am continually faithful to what God's called me to do, when, I'm, when I continue in prayer, when I continue faithfully sowing seed, when I continue offering encouragement, when I continue in my faith, when, when I continually do something that is preparing me and setting me up, leading me into what God is suddenly going to do. This is very similar to something I've said for years. When I give God consistently my ordinary, he puts his extra with it and makes it extraordinary. None of us are extraordinary. We're ordinary people. But when we seek God and put him first continually, then suddenly he shows up and he puts his extra into our ordinary and it becomes extraordinary. There's a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. My third point this morning, and I'm finished. They waited, they prayed, and then they were empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. There was a test. On this important day, the birth of the church took place. A nation became resident on the planet, a holy nation. Peter said in in the book he wrote, 1 Peter chapter 2, and was it verse 7, he says... You are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a royal 
a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I said 7 was incorrect. It all began, when you look at Acts chapter 2, it all began in a multiracial, multicultural setting. People from all languages, nations, colors, heritages, backgrounds, skin tones. They were there from every nation under heaven to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit that was promised from the Father, from the foundation of the world, all of a sudden gets poured out. The church is born and it is empowered with the love of God to go and to be ambassadors of reconciliation. I, I think it's very interesting the parallels between the children of Israel that were 400 years waiting to be released from the bondage of Egypt. And I think about the issues that we still have in America 400 years ago when slavery began. The first the first enslaved African-American came to Virginia in 1619. 1619, 2019 is 400 years. This is the 401st year, and everything is shaking. There's something that is happening because there's been pile on upon pile on upon pile on. And you know what? It's, what's happening in some places is ungodly. Looting and burning cities is not the answer. And this is the crazy thing that a believer has to be in. Let me just say this. You have the position. You can be right in the middle of, of completely just being appalled at George Floyd's death. But you can also turn and support good police officers. And, and you can also be against the stupidity of looting and burning and, and, and you, you don't have to let the media of this day and the polarization that says you need to choose your side because you can't be in the middle of all three of those. That's exactly where the church needs to be. We need to, we need to love and be empathetic to our, to our brothers and sisters and not stop until justice comes. Like the book of Amos said and Martin Luther King quoted, he said, until, until justice rolls down like a mighty river. And so that is our prayer. That is our cry to God. And just like God heard the cries of the children of Israel for 400 years, God has heard the cries of my brothers and sisters of different skin color, those who are treated differently just because of the way they look. God forbid, help us. The church was born in a completely diverse, mixed situation. And we need to be the ones who, first of all, reach out to folks that are different than us and love them with the love of God. The church is empowered to love. Listen to this. Let me tell you something. Just a little bit of history will show you this. It was the holiness movement that were the first to allow mixed worship services. It was the early Wesleyan Methodist not to be confused with the group by the same name today, but the early Wesleyan, John Wesley, the Wesleyan Methodist that preached a true born-again experience and, and, and preached salvation from sin and, and moral purity. The holiness movement was the first to allow mixed worship services, the first to recognize the image of God in the African slave. The early Wesleyan Methodists that are credited with influencing what became the abolition movement. Listen to me, folks. The, the destruction of slavery in the United States of America didn't begin as a political movement. It began as a religious movement. It was the church that was the cry, the conscience of the nation. 
The church needs to arise and in the spirit of love speak to these situations that we are dealing with and stand in the middle of all of it and be against looting and burning cities and, and, and be f- before families that have lost loved ones unjustly and also support righteous, good police officers. It's, it's, it's a strange position. You would think it would be pulling you in all different kinds of directions, but you can be in that place and you can lead from that place and you can love from that place. God has called us to be a sent people. I just want to ask you this morning as I close this message, are you in the waiting room of your destiny? Are you waiting for the shoe to drop, for the set of circumstances to come together in the right way to be able to move you to the next step or open another door or, or, or go in another direction of your career, of your life, of your family, whatever it is that you're facing. Let me just say to you, don't get lazy and become inactive while you wait. We want to pray. We want to seek God. We, we want to, as we're going to do on the 14th and the 28th Sunday nights of this month, we want to pray our way back into this building. We want to expect God to show up. And, and in our ordinary continuing to trust him, he's going to suddenly add his extra to our ordinary. And God will do extraordinary things. We want to pray. We want to expect. We want to anticipate. We want to long for. And I just want to say to you, stir your hope. Stir your hope. My very special friend, Jana Alcorn, sent this to me yesterday. It's a little statement by Nikki Banyas. It says, if you only carry one thing throughout your entire life, let it be hope. Let it be hope that better things are always ahead. Let it be hope that you can get through even the toughest of times. Let it be hope that you are stronger you are stronger than any challenge that comes your way. Let it be hope that you're exactly where you are meant to be right now and that you're on the path to where you were meant to be because during these times, hope will be the very thing that carries you through. That is, that's so good. That is so good. Because for the believer, the book of Hebrews says that hope is the anchor of our soul. So this morning, while we're waiting Let's don't be idle, but let's pray. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's, let's hunger for God. The Bible says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, after justice, same word, will be filled. Remember that there's a reason why God's timetable rarely matches ours. Too often we long for a certain thing in our lives and we're not ready to receive it. God wants to take us through a developmental process, a preparation stage. Don't waste that. Don't waste the end of this quarantine. Take your time. Use it wisely. Seek the Lord. Develop in an area. Pray and cry out to God for the next step that you're going to take. God has not given up on the United States of America. God has not given up on the world. God loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to tell you, if you're in the waiting room of your destiny... I want to just put something in front of you, and that is this man called Jesus Christ and the hope that he provides and offers for us. If you've never taken a step of faith and crossed a line where you trust in him and you don't look back and where you say, Father, I can't do this by myself any longer, and I, I look to you. I, I need your help. I need, I need this Holy Spirit in my life that you've given to us to empower us, 
to strengthen us, to equip us to do what you've called us to do. You know what, that, very, that begins by recognizing you can't work for it or earn it or deserve it in any kind of way, but you simply reach out in faith and take hold of what God has given to us in his grace. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It's the promise of the Father. So this morning, if that's you and you're ready to cross that line of faith, or maybe you're already a believer and you just feel like you're kind of stuck in a waiting, in a waiting room, <laughs> think about this. There's, there's nothing more frustrating than having a doctor's appointment set at a certain time and you waiting in the waiting room for two and a half hours. You want to go, something's wrong with this. What, what's up with this? You know, But there's always waiting time. And if you're waiting this morning, turn that inactivity into something that is productive. Begin to pray. Begin to seek the face of the Lord. And that begins this morning. If you would bow your hearts with me, please, in this moment. And let's call on the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together in this word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that is already given to us. That first set of disciples had to tarry. Lord, we don't we don't have to wait 10 days anymore because the Holy Spirit's already been given. He, he comes to us now. He's as near to us as our breath. And so we just stop right now and we acknowledge our need. And if you're ready to cross that line of faith, pray these words after me. Father, thank you for this word. I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense you're my righteousness. Lord, I need you. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Forgive my sins. Change my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. It is in the name of Jesus. I ask you to be Lord of my life. And everybody said, amen. Very simply this morning, if you prayed that, there's an announcement that will tell you about some information you can get from us. We'd love to have you come and Visit after we're, we reopen, and uh, if there's a prayer request that you have, we want to stand in faith with you and believe God for God to take your ordinary and make it extraordinary with his Holy Spirit. Everybody be blessed. We love you.